With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Kick it! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question, as Mondays go, how would you say this one ranked? Really, really good, Joey. Really good. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, (laughs) Pretty cool legislation uh, was passed by the Supreme Court that's very relevant to a lot of the interests, I'd say, of our listenership, uh, if if you would uh, dare to go that far. Um, So we're going to get into that here in just a moment, Mike. We've got a couple things to update on. But before we do, wanted to throw a quick shout out to uh, a former guest on the podcast, friend of the show, uh, Mr. John Casillo. You'll remember he is the uh, an author over at uh, Troy Nunes is an absolute magician, uh, noonsmagician.com on the SB Nation network uh, covering Syracuse. Uh, He posted an absolutely touching tearjerker of a story uh, this today on noonsmagician.com, paying tribute to his brother who uh, recently passed away of cancer. Uh, thoughts and prayers with you, John. Um, really a, a touching, great story that you wrote. Um, our, our condolences are with you in, in this really hard time for you and your family. Uh, yeah. Uh, thoughts and prayers with John. Uh, you know, obviously second everything you just said, uh, you know, nothing's ever easy when you talk about cancer and obviously it's a really unfortunate thing. So, um, thoughts and prayers with him. He's always been really good with us. Um, I don't want to pretend like I know him really well. I I don't, but every time I've, you know, crossed paths with him, whether it's on here, you know, coming on and graciously doing the podcast with us to preview or recap a Syracuse season, uh, or with Mark Rogers, our buddy, um, on Mark Rogers TV. Um, you know, John's always been really cool and and really good with us. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out there. Absolutely. We look forward to having you on hopefully again in the future, John, sometime. But again, thoughts and prayers to your family. Mike, uh, we do we, we did kind of schedule this podcast a little bit of emergency style. Uh, we we talked we've, we talked a lot about uh, all sorts of uh, forms of gambling and bets and uh, odds and wagers and everything on this show since we've been doing it for almost two years now. And there was a very, very important ruling that was dropped uh, by the Supreme Court this morning, uh, Monday, May 14th, that figures that it's soon to change the landscape of sports betting in the United States moving forward as we know it. I Just excellent. Everything about this is excellent, Joey. Where do mm-hmm. we even start? Um, oh, so oh, hang, on, Supreme- hang on. I know where to start. Go. Yes, sir. Crack open that. We are celebrating. Yes, sir. I have my. uh, I actually have a bourbon and Sprite because I ran out of Coke. But you know, you make do with what you have. 
Um, so that's what that's what I'm drinking. It tastes. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said it was delicious, but uh, it's something, and it's Monday, so cheers, Joey. Dilly dilly. <laughs> As we take a sip out of that mm-hmm. lovely concoction. Uh, so the Supreme Court rules today uh, by a, a Supreme Court ruling today, seven to uh, on the vote to strike down a federal law prohibiting sports gambling federally. Um, so. You know, this comes from a 1992 law that barred state authorized sports gambling with some exceptions. Now, of course, the states are going to regulate uh, the sports betting. So it's going to be a state by state issue, and that'll be hammered out here um, in the coming months and years ahead. But this is the first step, Joey, towards legalizing sports gambling once again in the United States, which is an idea that I know you and I can both get behind as proponents of college football gambling for sure and you and i both dabble in other sports as well so i have nothing but good things to say about this um you know you and i have talked about this in the past on this podcast saying that we wish that it was regulated because you know we think that you know with all of the things that are done both offshore and under the table with bookies you might as well just regulate it congress you know government takes its cut and um you know, it'll be taxed and, and whatnot, but I think it's a lot better option than what's currently happening with millions of people across the United States using bookies under the table and offshore means to do their sports gambling. Um, I don't have a bookie. I'm an on- offshore proponent. Now I'm an onshore proponent, certainly. Um, hopefully Virginia moves to moves to legalize this. That way I can bet uh, on college football in my state. That would be very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of using Bavada, which, you know, shout out to Bavada. You've been great, but a little bit sketchy, uh, especially when you're trying to withdraw money. Mm-hmm. So nothing but good things to say about this, Joey. It's a really exciting day. Uh, like you've said, there have been worse Mondays for sure. Um, this news broke, you know, about mid-morning Eastern time. So I've been reading up on it all day. It's really exciting stuff. Uh, I don't know if Virginia is going to legalize it or when they legalize it, but Hopefully they move to do that so that I can bet on my Hokies and any other team that I choose to roll the dice with. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I would say the only real downside that I'm aware of in, in terms of this whole the, the news that dropped is uh, I was on my way home from work and I stopped to go get gas and I went into the cashier and I said, hey, can I get 20 bucks on pump 10 and 10 bucks on the Rockets to cover tonight against the Warriors? And it's not that easy. It doesn't work that way. Um, as you were kind of alluding to, the Supreme Court ruling does not mean that uh, everybody can just go bet on sports everywhere already. Um, it's more that it paves the way for states individually to legalize gambling within their own boundaries. So each individual of the 49 states other than Nevada now get the choice to uh, decide whether or not they want to legalize sports betting um, and you know build their own laws around that. Um, so there will be a little bit of a wait here. I know that there are a couple of states that are very much on the doorstep already. And then I've, I've heard some rumors that potentially trying to get this done by the NBA finals, but certainly by the time football season comes around, looking to get some legislation in place to where they can have some legal sports betting in their states. Um, there are other states that are going to take significantly longer. Uh, I have a bad feeling about my state. I live in Texas. Um, they typically have not really been all that conducive to anything gambling wise. So uh, things are probably going to take a while here. However, I do live kind of near Louisiana, and Louisiana's laws in terms of alcohol are pretty hilarious. So I'm guessing the sports gambling laws won't be a whole lot farther behind that. 
It's um, basically Texas, you know? Louisiana is like kind of Texas. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. well, especially Houston. Houston's like an extension of Louisiana in a lot of ways. There's a bunch of oil and there's a bunch of Cajuns and we do crawfish and it's it's pretty much that. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that all goes and what, what all shakes out. But it sounds like there, there should be uh, one or two listeners at the very least of our podcast that are uh, living in states that will be legally betting on games come the season. So you'll get to lose all of your money on our ACC picks of the week for, for like legally. It'll be great. It'll be, it'll be awesome. It's good news for us. And I actually just pulled up an article that was written today, Joey. It's titled your state by state guide to sports betting in light of the Supreme court ruling. Oh boy. Um, now let's, let's go with three States, right? Let's go with the state of Georgia. Cause I know we have a lot of Georgia tech fans state of Virginia, because I know we have a lot of Virginia tech fans. Then we'll talk about Texas as well, Joey, um, because, you know, you live in Texas and it's conducive to you. Mm -hmm. So here we go for Georgia. Quote, there is no pending legislation regarding this and the next session to debate something like this being this law uh, is in January of 2019 when Governor Nathan Deal will no longer hold office, says Jen Talibur Ryan, the deputy chief of staff for communications in Deal's office. So Georgia, uh, nothing happening anytime soon. Uh, next on the list, of course, would be Texas. It says, Texas has not recently considered legislation pertaining to sports gambling. A spokesperson for Texas Governor Greg Abbott's office did not immediately respond to requests for comment on Monday's ruling. Um, and then let's... You're really bringing me down over here, Mike. And now I'm sorry. You're really um, bringing me down. <laughs> and I'm about, if, if it makes you feel any better, I'm about to bring me down as well. Cause I'm about to read Virginia's. Oh, dear. A spokesman for Governor... Ra- yeah, not great. A spokesman for Governor Ralph Northam said, we're reviewing the ruling and would review any legislation should the General Assembly decide to take up the matter. Currently, there is no active legislation that I am aware of on this topic. So, you know, nothing active um, that would, you know, bring the sports betting uh, law to the table in the state of Virginia. But, you know, they'll discuss it, I'm sure, um, in light of the recent news. So nothing imminent in Virginia, nothing imminent in Texas and nothing imminent in Georgia. So. We got three states covered and a decent amount of people listening to the podcast, both in Georgia and Virginia. And it's not great news for you in Texas, but hey, things might change. I'm just glad it's legal on a state by state basis. I think that's a start um, instead of just federally outlawing it, which was basically the case with the exception of Nevada. Mike, I'm putting a couple of pieces together in my head here. And I think what we're saying is that whenever we go do a basketball conference roadshow somewhere this fall, it probably needs to be Boston College. I agree. I think well, it needs I mean, to be Boston College. Because we know Massachusetts is all over this. They um, will, yeah, absolutely. No hesitation. Yes. So for Massachusetts, already an active bill um, that would create a special commission to conduct a comprehensive study and offer proposed legislation relative to the regulation of online sports betting. Massachusetts is already like three steps ahead. Um, oh, yeah. Them and New Jersey. And of course, Nevada, which has been in a pretty good spot for quite some time now. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, we got to go to Boston College, right? And just be dudes up there because that's what we do. Yeah. Massachusetts is that point of getting in the pool where the water is all the way up to your knees, but you're trying to like ease yourself in, but at some point you're going to get impatient and just jump. Right. Like I think Massachusetts is just waiting to jump right now. Right. And Virginia, Texas, and Georgia are like, well, what is betting? Which is, you know, Mm -hmm. could be better. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Mike, I, I thought of something interesting that I wanted to get your take on was now one of the one of the key things here. Again, we've talked about the fact that this is this affects 49 states over over Nevada. Right. 
Um, Nevada already had legal sports betting, at least in Las Vegas. My question to you is 24 hours ago, I had said, hey, Mike, uh, me and some buddies are going to Las Vegas. Want to see if you were in. Rate your interest level in going to Las Vegas, knowing that that's the only place in the country you can go bet on sports, and then compare it to your interest in going to Las Vegas, knowing that you could stay at home and bet on sports if it were legal in Virginia today. Let's just thought experiment here. Right. Um, I've never been to Las Vegas. That's Oh, you're missing out. Here nor, yeah. Neither here nor there in this scenario, to be honest with you. Um, my interest in going to Las Vegas would be a lot higher um given that i can't legally bet in virginia now if i could be- legally bet in virginia it's like oh well i'd go to vegas because i'd never seen it before but hey if i can bet out of the comfort of my own home and my sole purpose of going to las vegas is to bet on sports i don't really feel like going there anymore yeah and i think that what you said there at the end is kind of the key is you got to determine if your sole purpose for going to vegas is to bet on sports exactly. and kind of where i was going with this is people were talking about this recently in the last couple of months is if something like this were to go through does that have a negative impact on las vegas i personally would say probably not not really uh, maybe at certain times like the super bowl or the final four or something like that you know you might have a bit of a a letdown in interest in vegas knowing that folks are specifically interested in betting those events but at the end of the day, there is so much to do and experience and see and eat and drink in Las Vegas that sports betting really almost kind of takes a back seat to some degree. I mean, there's, you know, the fact that there's the casinos and there's all the restaurants, there's all the, the experiences you can go have. There's still every reason to go to Vegas. And so my, my thought here was that if your interest yesterday in going to Vegas was like an eight, your interest today might be like a seven and a half. Like it, yeah. it's maybe just like a minor hit that it takes, but overall you're still as interested as ever. And to piggyback off of that too, there's a lot more gambling in Vegas outside of just sports, right? I mean, people go there, they bet the slots, they, they go and play blackjack and play cards. I mean, it's like anywhere else where you would gamble. Um, mm-hmm. It's just the awe of going to Vegas and experiencing that on a much grander stage uh, than you would have really anywhere else in the country. Um, so you know, I think sports gambling plays a part into the awe of going to Vegas. But, you know, if you're not into sports, you don't bet on sports and you just want to go to, you know, you're going to Vegas for a bachelor party. You guys are going to the clubs. You're going to, you know, just gamble, play cards, whatever. You know, that is still on the table. The sports will still be on the table. So I tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't think this is, you know, this legislation state by state would be enough to like completely derail tourism in Vegas or anything like that. Like some were suggesting, I think that's insane. Mike, there's a very important piece of this that we need to talk about. And and I think we've delayed it long enough. Uh, Last Friday afternoon, we got word that we got some ACC season win totals out. So yeah, we did. So if your state gets, uh, you know, legal sports betting before the season starts, your, your season starts right now. We're going to talk about these win totals right here, right now, Mike. We got uh, This is from Brad Powers, at Brad Powers 7 on Twitter. Uh, he's a pretty big gambling guru for pregame.com, which is home of RJ, the, uh, the famous RJ Bell. Uh, he lives out in Vegas. He's a, a very big uh, you know, sports betting guru, uh, football in particular, if, I, if, I don't, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Brad tweeted out ACC win totals from BetDSI last Friday. We need to run through these right now, Mike, because I've got very strong opinions on about five of these out of 14. Are you ready? Go. 
All right, let's start with the, the, the five that I feel the best about, starting with the most wins. All right. Clemson, the Clemson Tigers coming back from a playoff appearance. They got the whole defensive line back, basically everybody back. They've, they're trying to figure out if they want to uh, switch out one of their best quarterbacks in the country uh, for a potentially higher ceiling freshman. All this, Clemson's win total, 10.5. Over. Hit me. Over. Way Absolutely over. over. And this is even on regular season. I cannot, cannot fathom Clemson losing two games this season with all that they bring back and all we've seen them do over the last couple of years, Mike. Yeah, you're telling me that they can't go at worst 10-2, and two, and if they do, you're telling me they don't have a chance to win their bowl game, right, to get to 11 and hit the over? I mean, give me a break. They're, they're almost, in my opinion, unless there's major injuries across the board, they're almost a lock for more than 10.5 wins. I mean, I think they're 11 or 12-win team with the roster they're bringing back. They're going to be one of the most talented teams in the country anyway. And given their schedule, I mean, they should have the ability to get there. Uh, not an impossible schedule by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, it's gonna be a, and another another part of this too is, in my opinion, and we might end up being wrong. You know, in September, October, November, we'll talk about it then. But I think the ACC Atlantic's going to be a little bit down this year. All the more reason to be confident with the over for Clemson there, ten and a half, given who they got on their schedule. Mike. That that looked good before I was looking at their schedule. I'm looking at it right now. Find me two losses in this schedule. Ready? Furman yeah. at Texas A&M, Georgia Southern at Georgia Tech, Syracuse at Wake Forest, NC State at Florida State, Louisville at Boston College, Duke, South Carolina. I'm still waiting for one loss. I think your best chances to lose – I don't even know if at Texas A&M in game 200 Jimbo Fisher is all that hard or at Florida State in late October uh, against, you know, a Willie Taggart team. I I think at Florida State and maybe at Boston College, it could get a little weird towards, you know, late in the season. You you feel like Clemson is maybe prone to drop a weird one somewhere, but I don't know that any of these teams I feel really good about on May 14th really giving Clemson a good shot here. So what's their floor? Their floor is probably what? Three losses total. Like you lose one game against a, re- a good team, right? Like Texas A&M or Florida State. Then you lose a game you shouldn't. We're talking about like the worst possible scenario. A game against a good team, a game that you shouldn't, similar to Pitt two years ago, right? Yeah. Um, so you lose a game like that, and then you lose a bowl game, right? Like that's the floor for me. Um, would, be like happening, would be like 10 and 3. Would be like 10 and 3, which I don't see happening. Because yeah. in my opinion, if they go to a bowl game with two, like if they have two losses and go to a bowl game, right? They're not they're They still might get into a New Year's six in that scenario, but they're not playing in the playoff. Then you have a pissed off Clemson team that didn't make the playoff playing against a pretty good power five conference team that Clemson will probably be favored against. Right. Mm-hmm. Even then, and that's coming down to the wire, they can get to 11 wins and hit the over. So I just. I don't see it. Um, I, I don't see a scenario unless everybody's hurt and something crazy happens throughout the season where they lose more than two games, in my opinion. And if that's the case, you hammer the over. Mike, what's the one injury that will completely derail a season for a team? Well, it's quarterback. And their argument for Cle- and the argument for Clemson is that their starting quarterback, who was one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year statistically, might not be good enough to start this year. Exactly. Their quarterback could get injured, and they got two more that might be just as good. Like, I, I have no fear here. And, I mean, to me, I just – I can't 
see it. I don't see – I mean, I think your worst-case scenario is you drop maybe at Florida State and maybe you find a way to lose at home to South Carolina at the end of the year. Rivalry games get weird. But, yeah, I don't know, Mike. That's 10.5. I feel pretty good about that if I'm betting the over on Clemson right now, knowing what we and know. That's a big number. That's a big number, too, 10.5. And, and you and I are sitting here saying, you know what? Like, lock it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's saying something about the talent that they're bringing back, which we've already talked about at length. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really, really good Clemson team. Easily a team that can get to 11 wins. Absolutely. All right, Mike, working our way on down. At eight wins, trying to replace a former Heisman winner, the Louisville Cardinals. Under. Under. Lock Hard under. Yeah, lock that up. You tell me Juwan Pass is going to get this team to nine wins. He's got a nine-win name. He we'll does. There. Um, it, yeah, yeah. Um, scale of one to ten, he's got an 11 for a name. I mean, Juwan Pass, that's a football player. Uh, yeah. Juwan passed the quarterback even better. So A plus mm-hmm. name, not an A plus team though. Um, mm-hmm. Give me the under. I, I think that they can get full, full eligibility. I think it's going to be a down year. Um, six or seven wins, in my opinion, is the ceiling. I'd be surprised if they, you know, if they pushed, I wouldn't be shocked. If they got to eight, anything more than that would be a, a major surprise for me. So I'd be pretty confident with the under here. Man, they got to start the season against Alabama. Uh, they get Florida State and Georgia Tech in successive weekends at home at Boston College. I think Boston College is better. Home against Wake Forest at Clemson. They're they're gonna they're gonna be lucky, I think, if they're uh, if they're going over eight wins or even pushing eight wins. I think this is an under hard. Um, and again, this is this is more of a question of how's the rest of the team rather than how good is Jawan Pass. Jawan right. Pass can be pretty good, and he ain't, he ain't gonna be good enough to save. What is the rest of the uh, the Louisville team here? Well, it's the same. It's the same issue they've been dealing with for a couple of years now. You know, the offensive mm-hmm. line's not very good. The defense is shoddy at times. So, it's it's going to be the same issue there for Louisville. Um, it's just a matter of how does Jawan pass adapt to what's around him. You don't have Lamar Jackson under center anymore, and that will make a difference. That's right, Mike. Moving on, going on down the list at six wins. Bringing back most everybody, but more importantly, replacing a, a garbage defensive coordinator, Georgia Tech. Over, Georgia sir. Tech. Yeah. You're setting the over-under at six wins for an easier schedule when they were a, a, like a remotely competent defense away from going like eight and three last year. Alcorn State at South Florida, at Pittsburgh, Clemson, Bowling Green at Louisville, Duke at Virginia Tech, at North Carolina, Miami, Virginia at Georgia. I think there's easily seven to eight wins in there. They, they damn near beat a couple of those teams last year that you would think that they wouldn't really have that much of a chance against. And I think you put up a just a passable defense, no pun intended there, just like a, a decent defensive scheme with a bunch of players that already kind of have shown that they can execute. I think that you're going to get much better results here. I, they bring back the quarterback, a lot of the skill talent on offense, a lot of the offensive line, everybody. I, I think Georgia Tech is setting up to be sneaky good and putting the over-under at six. I'm going over hard on that. Yeah, you're bringing in Nate Woody to, to replace Ted Roof, which I know you're excited about. They bring back about half of their starters on defense, which is going to be good for them. Um, the schedule, like you mentioned, I mean, there are a few tough games in there, but um, I see easily six wins you know, to get the push. And I think I'm with you. I'm in the same boat. I I think 
seven, eight, nine wins. I think that's certainly in the cards for Georgia Tech. They almost got that last year um, with their five and six record. Of course, they had the one cancellation against UCF, um, which, you know, with the way UCF played last year, it's probably better off that game was canceled. Um, but yeah, Georgia Tech's in a, in a good spot. I mean, they were a halfway competent defense away from winning eight games last year, so they can easily get over six this year. I, I think so. I, I'll be shocked if they don't. And honestly, that's that's when you start looking at, you know, what, do we stick with Paul Johnson or are we uh, are we exploring something else? So even with even with that contract extension that he has, I mean, you know how contract extensions work in college football. Don't need to explain it to you, but to the uh, to the listeners out there who might think otherwise, contract extensions in college football are a fleeting thing in that you can sign one, but it doesn't really mean much of anything. Um, these schools structure these contract extensions. They can get out of them if they need to. Um, Paul Johnson is far from a lock from being signed for whatever it is, 2022 or 2023. Um, if, I mean, if this team doesn't play well with the replacement of Ted Roof and, and they come in with Nate Woody and they don't perform well, there are going to be questions asked about Paul Johnson and his competence as a coach. There are. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Absolutely. Moving down, Mike. Someone's got to get bowl eligible at five and a half wins, the win total. There's only one person I can think of that if they're really trying to hedge some bets, they should be betting the under here. And that's Pat Narduzzi. Uh, if, the <laughs> Pit Panthers, if the Pitt Panthers can't get to six wins this year, he should be uh, he should be worried because he might be looking for a new job at that point. Pitt, home against Albany, Penn State, Georgia Tech, at North Carolina, at UCF, Syracuse, at Notre Dame, Duke, at Virginia, Virginia Tech, at Wake Forest, at Miami. Now, I will say, Mike, that I was really, really confident that Pitt was going to go over five and a half wins, and then I started looking closer at this schedule. Out of conference, it's a little bit daunting. Uh, Albany, basically a free win. Penn State at home, UCF on the road, Notre Dame on the road, not free wins. Not easy. Uh, if they go two and two, I think that's an accomplishment. And that's mm-hmm. right. Um, I'm thinking Albany and then UCF with the new coach. That's what I'm thinking as far as wins are concerned there. I think more than likely with who they're bringing back and what they're bringing back, that's more like a one and three stretch. And then mm-hmm. if that's the case, in order to break five and a half wins, you're going to have to win some of those 50-50 games you mentioned. Beat a North Carolina, um, beat a Virginia, uh, upset a Georgia Tech or a Virginia Tech. Uh, which Pitt has done in the past. That's what they'll have to do um, to break that five-and-a-half win barrier. They don't have an easy schedule, especially with an out-of-conference schedule that you mentioned. Uh, It's not going to be easy for Pittsburgh. It's not going to be easy for Pat Narduzzi, who's already fighting an uphill battle, in my opinion. Um, He's had a bit of a long honeymoon with the Panthers for whatever reason. They have not been very good on defense since he arrived, which is kind of what they were going for when they hired him. Uh, it's just not not a great scenario playing out for Pitt. I'm going to leave that five and a half alone. I think they could easily be, you know, seven and six. They could be six and six. They could be five and seven. I'm not touching that. I would lean on the under just because I don't have a lot of confidence in that defense or that offense now post James Conner. Hmm. I'm trying to talk myself into this here, Mike. All right. Let's say win against wins. I feel pretty dang good about if you're Pittsburgh. Albany, Syracuse, Duke, all at home, and then at Virginia. That's four. So then you only got to win two more out of Penn State, Georgia Tech, at North Carolina, at UCF, at Notre Dame, 
Virginia Tech at Wake Forest at Miami. North Carolina and Wake are probably their two best opportunities there, unless they're able to pull an upset against a team like UCF or Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech. Those are the there are six games there where I th- five or six games there where I think that they have a chance to to pull an upset of mm-hmm. sorts. There's probably only two of them there that I feel good about. Um, they might even be favored in the in the North Carolina game. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, uh, I'm leaving five and a half alone. Man, Pitt fans, like you better like really believe in Pat Narduzzi. Like if you're keeping him and you're not getting a bowl after a tough schedule, but come on, like if this is if this is if he's building a program worth its salt, like you've got to get to a bowl in this this schedule. So. I have no uh, confidence in him, do you? I mean, I just don't. I'm sorry. From what I've seen, I... not a ton. Not a ton. Pitt under Pat Narduzzi had one fantastic season, and that was because Matt Canada was calling the shots on offense. Uh, and again, like you said, I mean, there was James Connor and Nate Peterman and some of these guys that aren't there anymore and don't seem to really have been replaced in any meaningful way. So, I mean, who's to say? We'll see. Speaking of coaches, Mike, that we are in no way confident in. Last but not least, or perhaps just the least, we'll just go there. Uh, at five wins, none other than your Virginia Cavaliers here. Uh, going pretty hard on the under here. I don't know about you, Mike. Yeah, under. And that's not because I'm a hater. It's because they're not any good. I mean, the team sucks. So, Well, under. especially after they lost like every decent player they had on the team last year. All of their playmakers left for the draft and, and are just gone. I, I don't see Bronco Mendenhall doing much anything to replace them. Now, again, start considering the schedule here. I, I don't think that you're at risk of going over on this schedule. Um, I think you're at risk of pushing. But Richmond at Indiana, Ohio, Louisville, at NC State, Miami at Duke, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Liberty at Georgia Tech, at Virginia Tech. I mean, it could be worse when you're scheduling games against Richmond, Ohio, and Liberty. But then again, Ohio might be better than Virginia. There's they've a already, decent chance that Richmond is too. I was going to say, they've already lost to Richmond once in the Bronco Mendenhall era. Game number one a couple years ago. Well, Richmond doesn't mess around in football either. Nope. I don't know what they did. They, they've they won a couple FCS championships recently, and I think they got kind of close last year too, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. They will be replacing Kyle Laletta, a quarterback. Um, which is a pretty big loss. He was their star player, but um, always a well-coached team at the very least. Yeah. Going to Indiana, not easy. Going to Duke, not as easy as it could be. At NC State, that's a loss. I don't know. I don't know how Virginia is getting to five wins on the schedule, Mike. Let me see if I can figure this out. Richmond, Ohio. So you're Liberty. Hoping They're hoping that it's three wins. And then you got to go one and two, I think, against at Duke, North Carolina, and Pittsburgh in like late October. Which which they could – I mean, look, they could do, right? I mean, North mm-hmm. Carolina, they didn't have a great year last year, obviously. Um, a lot of injuries across the board. You know, we still – I mean, it's still kind of up in the air at quarterback. I, I know they – you know, I know that, you know, they got Nathan Elliott. They have uh, Chester still, So they got – they got issues. They got a hammer out of quarterback. We're expecting Duke to be better than they were, but we don't really know. Um, and then we just talked about Pitt. I mean, Pitt's a wild card, right? So Virginia can conceivably win two of those three games. If they do, I think there's a chance they can get to six wins. 
I guess at that point, I'll believe that Bronco Mendenhall has something cooking, but I'm, right. I'm not seeing <laughs> right. it just yet. Right. I agree. All right. Mike, those are the five that I felt particularly strong about. Were there any that really jumped off the page at you that were uh, really noteworthy in your mind uh, as you look at the rest of these? Florida State is it. Uh, they're one that I want to talk about, right? So Florida State is sitting at eight and a half wins. So mm-hmm. assuming, let's. this is a hard assumption at this point, that DeAndre Francois gets through whatever legal issues he's combing through and he becomes a starting quarterback once again. You feel pretty good about the upside of Florida State, but they have a new coaching staff, a lot of turnover. They have a few tough games here out of the gate. Of course, they play Miami every year. Um, you know, they have Clemson in the division. Uh, they have Virginia Tech, albeit at home, but Virginia Tech right off the bat in the opener. That could be three losses right there, potentially. And then you lose one of your remaining eight games. And that puts you at three losses, right? Three or four, three to four, depending on what you think about the rest of the schedule. They're sitting at eight and a half wins on the over under. I think at worst, I think at worst, they're eight and four with the talent that they have on that team. But that's an interesting one. Eight and a half sounds about right for Florida State. Because they're not, it's not an all-world talent that they have. Like last year, they entered the season, I think, number two or number three in the country. It's not that type of team this year, but they could still be pretty good, especially if they buy into what Willie Taggart's selling there uh, at Florida State. So that's a really interesting line. I probably won't touch it. I could see it going either direction. I would lean under just because I, I look at their schedule, and it is a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of course they have a team like NC State too, who I think could give them some trouble. Because I still think NC State will be pretty good this year. Um, so I'd lean under there. But that's a really, really interesting line there at eight and a half for Florida State. We'll have to see. I agree. Crossover game against Virginia Tech, permanent rival at Miami, uh, division game home against Clemson, out of conference at Notre Dame, permanent rival home against Florida. Um, there's several opportunities and like end of the end of the first season for both Willie Taggart and Dan Mullen at Florida. Like I have no idea, no idea what that game's going to look like. Yep. There are a lot of opportunities to lose here. This is like a tricky, tough schedule for year one under Taggart, but I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious here. I, I could, I'm with you. I could kind of see this going either way. I think there's enough games, enough tough games here that you lean under, but the, the talent is there. And I, just part of me, I want to leave lean over as well. Um, I, I, I'm probably leaving this line alone. I think eight and a half is pretty much right. And I, I think you could see anything from like a six win season to like a 10 win season out of Florida State yep. here. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to be tripped up and, and a lot of opportunities to show off you know, the talent they have on that team. And I didn't even consider the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame's going to be a top 10 or 15 team again next year. So that's another game I didn't even consider there when I was doing the rundown. But Going to South Bend. Yeah, going to South Bend. I mean, that's not going to be an easy game. So, yeah, that's yeah. I could see that going either way. That's a really interesting line. Uh, Virginia Tech is also sitting at eight and a half. I think that's about right. So, Virginia Tech has Florida State right off the bat. Like like we just mentioned, that's a fifty fifty game in my opinion. Uh, Virginia Tech has Notre Dame and Miami at home, uh, which is good because those are two of the two of the toughest games on their schedule. 
Um, and you do get them at home, which I think makes a difference rather than going on the road to South Bend, on the road to Miami, because that didn't go well for Tech last year. Um, and it didn't go well for them, um, at least off the bat, a couple of years ago in South Bend, and they had to storm back in the second half to come out with the victory. But eight and a half sounds about right for Virginia Tech because they drop one every year. You're not expecting them to lose, right? They lose mm-hmm. to a Georgia Tech when uh, you know the Hokies are favored. They lose lose a game like that. They, they lose to Duke. They drop one to North Carolina randomly. Like Virginia Tech always has a game on the schedule pit on the road. It seems like every year they every other year they they drop that game. So there's always one game on their schedule that you're you know chalking up for a victory and they come out flat and they lose. So when you couple that with the fact they have a few big games on the schedule this year, I could see them going under eight and a half. I could see them going slightly over eight and a half. That's another one I'd leave alone. I think I agree with that. I'm not really too sure what to make about Virginia Tech coming into this year. They lost a lot of guys on defense, but as I've said before, when you got a guy named Foster coaching up your defense, it doesn't really matter how many guys you lose. I think they'll be just fine. Um, but like you said, I mean, there's a lot of, of games that can kind of go either way for them, and they're not always a team that comes away with wins in games that they're favored in, even when they're significant favorites. I mean, again, a couple of years ago, I remember Georgia Tech beating them as a 14-point underdog, which is yep. a significant underdog. So, um Figured I'd get that one in there for what that's worth. Um, Miami. I'm 0-2 on the uh, – since we started this podcast. Against you, you are. You are. Georgia Tech is still the real tech on, in on our podcast <laughs> eyes. Yeah. So yeah. that's what's important here. Uh, Miami at 9.5. <laughs> Shout out episode one, yeah. Absolutely. Miami at 9.5. Who's playing quarterback? Uh, who's to say? I'll leave that alone. I'm probably leaving it alone too. I think there's upside there. They could go to 10 to 11. I think that they're, if you held a gun to my head right now and said, Hey, bet this line, I'm probably betting under knowing that last year going, what was it? 10 and one in the regular season. I bet there were at least three of those games that they reasonably probably should have lost, you know, games that they won in the last minute or so of the game. Uh, and, And usually by, you know, absurd, phenomenal happenings that just, of course, but uh, I, I would lean under thinking that they got a little bit lucky in a couple of spots last year and they won't get that lucky again. But I mean, the talent is there and there's a reason that they were in position to win those games and able to pull off the wins that they did. So, uh, you know, I, I think if you're, if you're looking to bet that part of it is probably based on your expectation for the first game of the year, which Sunday night, right before Labor Day, they play LSU in, uh, in in Arlington, Texas. I actually really like Miami in that game. I don't know how good LSU is really going to be next year, and so if if you're if you're hinging everything on that, I think you're betting Miami. But overall, I, I question how much they can put it together and be consistent and, and really consistently dominate for the entire year. Yeah, uh, I'm leaving that alone as well. I'd lean under if Malik Rozier is going to end up being the quarterback. It looks like he is. Um, just because, like you said, there were some games last year that come to mind that they probably could have lost that they didn't. You think about the Georgia Tech game, North Carolina. Uh, Virginia was interesting for a while. Toledo was interesting for most of the first half. So there's four games right there. I know there's probably another couple in there that I'm forgetting about. Um but Miami made things interesting a lot more than their fans would have liked. 
Uh, it was actually pretty interesting. I was on social media last week and Cam Underwood, our buddy um, from State of the U and I, we were kind of talking to Miami fans about, hey, this is your ceiling with Malik Rozier. This is your ceiling if you try another guy because the talent is literally there for Miami everywhere else across the board. They have talent. Mm -hmm. All the skill positions are money. You're bringing back a good, solid, young defense coached by Manny Diaz, who I still can't believe doesn't have a head coaching job. Um, they have a really, really talented roster, but Malik Rozier has a ceiling that's extremely limited, in my opinion. Um, and I think as long as he's the quarterback, you're going to have to live with the games where he goes nine of 22 passing and throws three picks. But you go, you take the good with the bad, right? You hope that he comes back and he throws for you know, complete 65% of his passes for 270 and three touchdowns, right? So that's what you're dealing with with Malik Rose here. You're going to have to take the good with the bad if you choose to go with him instead of maybe an upside of a younger player. Mike, quickly, let's go through the rest of these. Give me some quick thoughts on a couple of these. NC State, seven wins. Uh, uh, yeah, you said quickly. I'd leave that alone. They, they are bringing back Ryan Finley, so for what it's worth. You know, you have an incumbent starter quarterback. I, I'd lean I'd lean over, but you are replacing Bradley Chubb on defense, which, you know, big wild card. He's a good player. Well, and it was pointed out, too, not only are you replacing Bradley Chubb, you're replacing a yeah, lot of guys that were drafted in the first uh, three rounds of the draft. Yeah. Yep. You're telling me that this team was struggling to go more than, you know, eight and four, nine and three with all those dudes. What are they going to do with they're not, you know, when they're not there? Is this, yeah. a, you know, a seven win team? Seven is probably on the high end of what I would expect, um, but I, I think I, I'm leaving that alone. If anything, I would probably bet the under. Fair. All right. Wake Forest, six and a half. Uh, I, I don't know what this offense looks like without John Walford. I know it's insane to say. He was so good last year. Um, but you have Kendall Hinton. He's an experienced guy, quarterback. I'd lean over there. Um, I think they can get to seven. They could potentially get to eight. They're going to be well coached under Dave Kloss, and we know that. Uh, but John Wolford was a great equalizer last year with how well he played. So without him, it could really go anywhere from five wins to eight wins. There's a pretty, there's a pretty high variance without him under center, in my opinion. Sneaky, dangerous game to start the year here for Wake Forest at Tulane. Tulane might be low key pretty good this year, so be careful there. Um, yeah, there is a lot of uncertainty in the post uh, John Wolford era. Who's to say how good Kendall Hinton or anybody else will be there running that offense for the Steam and Deeks? That said, as much as we've ever uh, expressed concern over Dave Clawson's Wake program, I mean, they've always pretty consistently performed. So, uh, again, as we go through the last few of these, like I'm not betting any of these, but if you held a gun to my head, what would you, you know, what would I do? Well, uh, probably betting you over, just knowing that they are a well coached team. And there's, there's a couple teams that, They'll jump up and we'll say surprise, even though it, it may not be as much of a surprise to uh, Wake fans or some others. Right. Boston College, six wins. Uh, Scott Leffler, run the football. I'm going to take the over here. I, damn it. I was thinking hard over on this, like almost would swap this in for, you know, Pittsburgh or something, except then you mentioned Scott Leffler. And man, that's a lot of trust to put in Scott Leffler. Um, you yeah. don't have to tell me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're telling me that I, I'm getting my money back if Boston College finishes six and six, I'm probably betting the over. I think that they'll be competent enough to to make this all work for another six to seven wins. 
maybe like tumble your way into like a, an eight win season or something like that, you which I would not push back. I wouldn't put past Steve Adazio for a second. You always make a bowl game under Steve Adazio, so you're at least going to have a chance to get to seven. So yeah. I think I'd lean over just on that premise. You, you want to gouge your eyes out, but you, you're making a bowl game, so you can only complain so much. Duke, six wins. Uh, I'm going to say under. That's not an easy one, though. Um, you know, we're all expecting Duke to bounce back, but, you know, they they are losing playmakers. They don't have Sean Wilson at running back anymore. We're expecting Daniel Jones to be better, right? Because we were expecting him to be really, really good last year. Coming off of what we were impressed with with his freshman year, he was really, really good. Um, he took a step back last year. The offense as a whole took a step back and regressed. Everybody's expecting him to be better. I just, I don't buy it. Um, I think they leaned on Sean Wilson a lot last year to get what they could out of that offense. They still have Britton Brown, who is productive as a freshman, so you lean on him a little bit if he's healthy, but I'm going to lean under here. Um, I think there'll be some sort of bounce back, but you know, there's only so much talent to go around. And Duke wasn't very good on defense last year either, and there's no reason to think that that's going to improve. Out of the gate, Mike, listen to this out-of-conference stretch. Army at Northwestern at Baylor. Is there what are the odds that Duke goes 0 and 3 against that stretch? I think 1 and 2, right? I mean, I think that's what you expect, but I think 0 and 3 is on the table. Yep. I mean, any of those any of those programs you should you, you pretty much you're able to lose to, especially going on the road to Baylor and on the road to Northwestern. Like Duke you got to be careful you don't find yourself in an 0 and 3 hole, you know, just to start the year. Yeah, that would really put the uh, the six, you know, going over six, really in a lot of jeopardy here. So be careful there. And Army and Northwestern are are good teams, and I think Baylor is going to be a lot better in year two under Matt Rule. I think so too. North Carolina, six wins. Uh um, well, they were what? They were three and nine last year, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they can get to six if everybody's healthy. They have to have consistent play out of the quarterback position. Um. I just, yeah. What is it with all these ACC Coastal teams scheduling UCF all of a sudden? Hey, Virginia Tech hasn't done it, thankfully, because that's a game they would definitely try to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, UCF's good, man. I I don't care who the coach is. That's Um, the game that Georgia Tech didn't play last year. They would have gotten beat. Yeah, they would have definitely gotten beat, and there's nothing to be ashamed of there because, you know, they're the only undefeated national champions, Joey. National champions. Yep. Um. Oh, I don't even know. Push on six wins for North Carolina. I know that's cheating. I, d- I don't really know what to expect out of this team. They were so injured last year that it's really hard to get a gauge on just how bad they really were. I mean, there were so many guys playing that were just were not ready yet. Um, I do think that'll benefit them this year. So I guess if I had to guess, I'd lean over. But I don't know. Four wins, five wins, seven wins. I think it's all on the table. Yeah, I, I think if, again, gun to the head, I think I'm going over, but who's to say? I mean, it, at the very least, there should be a lot of depth on this team from last year. You know, the fact that you had a lot of guys playing that weren't ever expected to play last year. So I guess we'll go over, but again, who who knows? There's a lot of different ways that this team could go, so we'll see. Uh, last one, Mike, the, the bottom of the win projections for the ACC – our buddies over at Syracuse, the Orange, four and a half wins. Come on, Dino. I want to believe in them so bad, too. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I texted you this. We were talking about Syracuse a little bit, you and I. Um, when these wind totals came out last week, we were texting. 
I think there's a higher likelihood that um, Eric Dungy misses four and a half games than Syracuse wins four and a half games, right? Um, mm-hmm. get, gets to five or gets to six, you know? Um, if Dungy's healthy, I, I think they can get to five or six wins. And that means that one of these other ACC teams is definitely hitting the under. Um, mm-hmm. But if Eric Dungy can't stay healthy and has to shoulder the load both in the passing game and the running game, which has gotten him into trouble with his injuries in the past, then I, I just don't see them winning more than four games. Do you? I, I want them to so bad. I want this, you know, Babers thing to work. It's just, I don't know. I'm, uh, I don't want to bail on them too early, but I have my doubts just based off of what I've seen so far. Yeah, there's basic data that there, there's a major problem with Syracuse, and it's that Syracuse without Eric Dungy can't win games. They have not proven that they can win games without Eric Dungy under Dino Babers. Eric Dungy has not proven that he can stay healthy for a full season under Dino Babers, and not through any faults of his own. It's pretty much because he is like a one-man wrecking crew that eventually the body just gives up. You know, he doesn't get any help, I think, a lot of times from the offensive line, from, you know, guys getting open, anything like that. And so his body ends up taking such a toll that he just – nobody could expect him to stay healthy. And so that that's the thing. You know, if you're if you're betting me over here, you're probably betting that Eric Dungy's going to stay healthy, which – No guarantees. None. No, I mean, I, I hope he does, but I, I, I don't know how, to, how I could sit here and say I expect him to. Um I'm with you, man. I, I want this Dino Babers thing to work here at Syracuse, but it, it's not looking great so far. So um, here's the hoping. Uh, out of conference at Western Michigan, I I think you can win that game. Should. Home against Wagner, home against Connecticut, and then home against Notre Dame. Well, I say home. It's at Yankee Stadium. But Three and one. I think so. Yeah, you need to go three and one. You need to beat Connecticut, beat Western Michigan, beat Wagner. And all you need is two wins. Get two and six in ACC play, you can go over. All right, I ride with Syracuse. We're going over here. Okay, that's fair. All right. We'll see. Mike, we just talked for like 45 minutes about ACC sports gambling in I love it. mid-May. It's all going to be legal soon. That is what this podcast was meant for. Um, let's talk about not gambling for a second. What you, what's going on with you? How you been? What you been up to? Uh, good. I am going on vacation in a week. Going on a... Uh family vacation going on a cruise uh but it's not a conventional cruise to the bahamas or something like that we're going over to barcelona um and then taking a nice little cruise from barcelona through nice france and all through italy going to venice rome florence uh should be really good montenegro we're also hitting which is kind of random but hitting that entire coastline so that should be really really good excited about that it's gonna be a nice two-week getaway um so that's coming up here next week and I'm going to be back in the States on June the 8th. So we'll have a couple of weeks here without a podcast, which bummer for all of you, but Joey and I have only been recording once every few weeks anyway. So I uh, shouldn't miss a beat when I get back. Damn. You fancy. Look at, look at that uh, world traveler status. You're, uh, you're bringing back here. Bring it back. Bring it back. That's what we do. That's good. Podcast. Yeah. Is the, uh, is the girlfriend going with you? It's not. Um, she's starting. Um, Starting graduate school uh, down at Tech, actually. So she's getting... She's Virginia getting Tech. Yeah, the real tech. Scoreboard. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I have nothing to say about that one yet. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. this podcast goes for a few more years, and then maybe I'll 
have something one day yeah uh one of our two teams made a bowl game last year yeah hey 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 okay um (laughs) thanks ted roof yeah (laughs) any anyway um yeah so she's um going back to school going back to blacksburg so cool that'll be good yep very cool living the bachelor life on a cruise ship for a couple weeks in europe not bad something like that We'll be going to Greece later this year. It'll actually be in uh, like mid-August. So a couple of our uh, preview podcasts might end up being pre-recorded so that I can not play roadshows from Eastern Europe. That'll be, uh, that's difficult. We've done roadshows in the past. That one would be by far the most difficult. We even tried an international roadshow at one point and it went very poorly. The Jamaican uh, one? <laughs> thanks to sketchy Jamaican internet. But that was amazing. That was also yeah. one of the most amazing podcasts we've ever done. So I mean, yeah. there are two ways to look at it. You were hammered and mm-hmm. the internet sucked, but we made do and it was awesome. That was one, yeah. of, one of my favorite podcasts. The unlimited cheap I'll, I'll say the unlimited free cheap quality booze in the room really uh gave that one an extra little little kick in the pants to get going. So yes. Not bad. Yeah, I'll try to uh, try to avoid the logistical mess of trying to record a podcast from Greece, um, not knowing what island I'll be on or what. I don't know. I don't know. We'll try to avoid that. But anyways, that'll be uh, later in the summer for me. Um, well, Mike, that sounds like fun. Enjoy that trip. Um, we will probably end up coming back to record afterwards uh, once you're back. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on before you leave, um, or just figure that we, we've we've done enough for for one night? Should we should we talk real quick about AJ Gray and Jake Sickler? Oh, we should. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, uh, bit of Georgia Tech news dropped last week. Uh, not super surprising to find out that Jake Stickler, his career is over. Uh, he was a, a medical disqualification. Uh, he he dealt with a lot of concussions in his career and eventually just decided to hang him up and uh, good that he gets to do that on his own terms, you know, hate to hear it for him. You know, it's a tough thing to have to do tough decision to make, but at the very least, you know, hopefully he's got a, a degree that he's able to fall back on now that his football career is about to be over in much more surprising news. Uh, returning safety, AJ gray, a, a multi-year starter coming back for Georgia tech, really high a uh, high potential, you know, very promising player on the defense. Also a medical DQ uh, we had coming off of, of, of spring practice. Gray was found to have a, a certain heart condition that basically immediately made it so that he can't play anymore. Um, it's, it's, a, it's just unsafe for him to be exerting himself and playing a, a high impact, high stress game like football. And so all of a sudden, just in the blink of his eye, his career is over. Um, this is, I believe, the third player under under Paul Johnson's tenure that has had some sort of medical oddity that has ended their career prematurely. The first was Denzel McCoy back in 2010. He was a four-star defensive tackle, uh, really a, a very promising, highly rated defensive player that he never played a down at Georgia Tech for the same reason of some sort of heart defect um, or, or heart condition that, that caused his career to be over. And then Later, a few years later, Jalen Ratliff, the quarterback out of North Carolina, had an ATV accident, um, was in a coma, I think, nearly died, and, and eventually had a, a plate inserted in his head. You know, they had to remove a significant portion of his skull. Um, obviously, that was a condition that he ended up having his career ended over as well. 
Uh, both guys ended up being able to go to school at Georgia Tech and in, in a lot of ways stay around the football program. I know Ratliff in particular uh, worked in sort of an analyst, maybe sort of capacity, but, you know, helping to keep a play sheet for Johnson in the spring game and do some things like that. So um, they're still very much welcomed around the program. They get to go to school and do all those things. But um, just a sad way to end their career. A.J. Gray and Jake Stickler now um, also having their their careers ended through uh, medical hardships. So. Uh, thoughts and prayers with them and their families as they kind of move on into uh, different endeavors in life. Um, but again, it, it's at the very least, it's kind of nice that AJ was able to end things. I'll say on his own terms, not necessarily, but that both guys were able to um, kind of salvage their health in the long term and, and uh, hopefully make very strong, promising careers out of whatever they're able to get into. So uh, shout out to Jake Stickler and AJ Gray. Yeah, I mean, good luck to them, right? Yeah, good at least luck. they have their health. I mean, the most important thing is they they have they have their health to the degree where they can still live normal lives outside of football, and that, I think that's the most important thing at this point. Yep, yeah, they get to grow up and have families and have a career and do all those things. So, um, hey, at, at least there's that, and, and that that's definitely not nothing. So, good on them. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. You have anything else? I think we're good at this point. This is a good long podcast. I think we covered a lot, at least for an off-season, you know, an off-season pod. I think we had a good amount of content here. Uh, shout out to Bet DSI for putting out win totals, mm-hmm. <laughs> giving us something to talk about. So, no kidding. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is a lot longer than I expected. We we went for a while on specifically football things for mid-May, but hey, it's it's been a good day, like we said. Uh, Mike, let's go ahead and move on here. Uh, we'll, we'll come back here in a few weeks once you're back from vacation. But in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yeah, and we haven't gotten an email in a while. So, again, if you send us anything on the email, I, I think we're pretty much obligated to read it at this point. So if you all want us to talk about anything and anything, our email uh, please. Shuts down, our email shuts down soon, right? Is that how it works? I think so, yeah. It's 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 getting uh, a little bit out of use, and we, we're getting those, uh, hey, if you don't pay the power bill, you know, it's, it's going to be turned off here soon. So uh, please help us keep our email running. Send us something. But, I mean, sure. We're running out of power. I guess we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, and wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Uh, Where else can they find us on the social medias, Mike? Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. And, of course, rate and review us and all the other options that Joey laid out there where you can listen to us. We read all of them, uh, trying to find ways to get better. Also, please, with, with the emails, Drop us content ideas if there's something you want to talk about here in the off season. Joey and I are all ears because you know we did the best we can, but we're open to all suggestions. Yeah, no doubt. Please send over any any ideas, any topics you want to hear us talk about. We'd be happy to go over anything. Um, Mike, they can also find us on YouTube if they so choose. We have a, a channel. Just go search for Basketball Conference Podcasts on YouTube, and we are posting some live streams of our our recordings there. So go check those out. Uh, and Mike, I think that's about it. Anything else before we get on out of here? I think we're good, Joey. All right. Well, enjoy your cruise and, uh, we'll, we'll talk later and I guess, uh, get some sort of recap on how it all went. Sure. Yeah, man. All right. 
Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.